Welcome to the Piece of Cake Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Brienne. And we're here to make your wedding planning a piece piece of cake. cake. Who are we? Just a couple of best friends who are passionate about weddings and all the little details along the way. We've been brides and bridesmaids, day of coordinators, and party planners. We're accountants by day. And wedding enthusiasts by night. We'll use our experience and attention to detail to help you plan your special day. We know this is a really exciting time in your life, but the logistics can be stressful. That's where we come in. Tune in with us every week and your wedding will be a a piece piece of cake. cake. So if you've been listening to our podcast, you've heard us talk about a lot of different people, like your parents' neighbor, Bob, or your crazy aunt who might steal the microphone during toasts, or your college friend who recently got married and also invited you to their wedding. These are all people that you might be inviting to your wedding, and now that you've invited them, you have to think about where are they going to sit. So today, we're going to go into seating charts. There's a lot of info that you need to have gathered and figured out before you can even start coordinating your seating chart. Mm -hmm. And the main one is your guest count and all of those RSVPs you've hopefully been working on and collecting. (laughs) Yeah, so this might be something that you're not able to really start or at least finish until closer to the wedding, Mm -hmm. depending on when you get your RSVPs back. You also need to know how many tables you're going to have. Yep. And of course, this will correlate with your guest count and then the size and shape of those tables. Yep. And this also relates to your venue and venue space. And it's really helpful if you can have a diagram of your venue and Mm -hmm. kind of lay it all out because it's all one big puzzle. Yes. Number of people and the shape of the the size of the tables and how many tables you can have in your space. And it's a big puzzle. (laughs) That's why you like it, right? I love it. (laughs) So where do you even begin? It's kind of hard when you're looking at all these people and figuring out how you want to seat them and if you want a seating chart and that sort of thing. So we recommend you start with the head table. That's you and your spouse. And so that's kind of an easy place to start. And it might just be you and your spouse, or there's lots of options that you can do. So first of all, you need to know, are you even having a head table? Some people don't even do this at all, and I don't really know where the bride and groom sit at that point. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't want to have one, that's totally cool. Sometimes people have setups where there's really long, big tables, and so the bride and groom could just sit among their guests or Mm -hmm. something like that. There's also a thing called a sweetheart table. And that is where just the bride and groom, the two of them, sit together as a couple off by themselves. So in that case, that's a different kind of head table. From there, you can go a little bigger and have a head table that has just your bridal party. And then you can expand a little and have your bridal party and their plus ones. And this is a hot debate because everybody has opinions on if you should have plus ones at the head table or not. I see both sides. Like one side is it's super hard to coordinate and you maybe can't fit everybody and you maybe don't even know all of the plus ones. But then on the flip side, people will argue, oh, well, the plus ones will be left out and they won't have anyone to sit with and you have to include them. I think I did it one way. Emily did Mm -hmm. it the other way. So 
We do not have opinions either way on that. Do what works best for you mm-hmm. and what's going to fit in your seating chart. Yep. I think it can also depend on how many people are in your bridal party. Mm-hmm. Like if you have 10 bridesmaids and groomsmen, it's going to be really hard to get 40 people at your head table. <laughs> so maybe that's a limiting factor yes. if you add those plus ones in. So things like that. And specifically in my scenario, I think one of the main reasons I did include them is because we had some married couples on both sides of our bridal party. So it was kind of like some people already had already there. Yeah. So might as well bring in a couple more. Mm -hmm. And then a different approach to the head table is including family. Mm -hmm. My cousin got married and they didn't have any bridal party. So their head table was their bride and groom and then their siblings. You could do some variation Mm -hmm. of that. So once you've figured out kind of what you're doing for your head table, you also have to figure out where it's actually going to be. Mm This will kind of set up the flow of the night and the rest of the seating chart. And you want to think about things like toasts and where the toasts will be located versus where the head table is. Maybe it's up front by the dance floor. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of things are centered around the dance floor in the venue area mostly because the dance floor is kind of also the stage or like Mm -hmm. where most of the events kind of happen in in most venues so it's nice to kind of keep that in the center and then have things kind of all around the perimeter of the dance floor depending on your venue Mm -hmm. another hot topic is (laughs) the reserved tables this can be tricky because obviously they're special people and you want to have them in certain places or closer to you or closer to the action But you can't say, like, reserve for family because half the people at your (laughs) wedding are family. And it's really hard to figure out where to draw that line of who's special and who should be at certain tables. So you got to really think through that. And if you really want to have reserved tables, Mm -hmm. are there specific people who should sit at those tables? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it makes sense to do parents and Mm -hmm. maybe grandparents. But again, like you said, where do you draw the line? So that's really tough. And you don't want to get to a point where literally half your tables are reserved because then it's like, oh, okay, well, this is the special half of the guests and this is the other half. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes you could do one reserved table for the bride side, one for the groom side. Yeah. Basically, your parents could host the table sort of mm-hmm. thing where your parents sit there and then they can decide, kind of help you decide if it's your grandparents or a few special friends or something that sit at those tables. But again, everyone at your wedding is obviously special enough for you to invite them there. <laughs> so you don't need to go overboard with your reserved tables. Good call. Okay, so now let's really get into the meat of this episode and go through kind of the spectrum of seating chart options. Mm -hmm. Just like pretty much everything we talk (laughs) about, there is a spectrum. So you can literally go from no seating chart at all. It's just a free-for-all. You have all your seating tables are open. People arrive at your wedding and they can sit wherever the heck they want. (laughs) And also this one might be pertinent in situations where you actually don't have a full-on seated dinner. So like we've talked about before, maybe you're just doing some sort of cocktail reception or food trucks where you stand around and mingle Mm -hmm. or something like that. Where there's not a seat for every person there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And quite a few people do this. You do not have to have a seating chart. People make this work all the time. Don't freak out if you end up running out of time and can't make a seating chart. People will figure it out. It's okay. But if you do want to have a plan, there's a few different levels of planning you can have. 
You can plan nothing but just the head table. So figure out who's going to sit with you at that special table. And with the head table, you can decide if it's just designated who will be sitting there or if you actually go through and plan out who will be at each seat. Right. And fun thing to do for this one is have special seats for the bride and groom at least. Yes. So you can have fun signs on the chairs or special glasses there. <laughs> yes. Obviously the bride and groom are extra special, so make I mean... sure you have fun things <laughs> at those place settings. Right. If you do anything seating chart wise, maybe just do the bride and groom seats. For sure. <laughs> A step up from that is just doing the head table and any reserve tables that you have, mm -hmm. marking those. And again, within that, with the reserved ones, are you marking the specific people or are you just saying reserved and kind of letting those groups figure that mm -hmm. out? And here's a note. This happened at my ceremony, but if you're reserving a table or spots for anyone, make sure you let the people know who are supposed to be sitting at those tables. Mm -hmm. So if you've reserved a spot for them... And there's not going to be names at those places. Just make sure you let, you know, Grandpa Bob or Aunt Cindy. <laughs> it's neighbor Bob, Emily. <laughs> neighbor Bob, Aunt Cindy know that they have a spot at the reserve table so it doesn't get awkward and the table's empty because no one knew that they were supposed to sit at the reserve table. Yeah, they might see the reserve sign too and think, oh, that's not reserved for me. Right. Okay. So next, if you would like to take your seating chart even further... You can put groups of people at different tables. There are a couple ways you can do this logistically that we'll get into later, but this is just saying, okay, these 10 people will be at table one. And then it's up to those 10 people to figure out which seat at table one they will be sitting at. Mm -hmm. And this is what I did, so we'll talk more details about <laughs> this in a few minutes. And then you can go a step further and literally plan out every seat in the room mm -hmm. and tell people exactly where to sit at each table. So as you can see, the spectrum basically goes from literally no work to, oh my gosh, a ton of work. Mm -hmm. Sometimes this can be definitely worth it if you want to avoid any awkward situations. If there's some people at your wedding that you want to make sure that avoid each other mm -hmm. or just, you know, have things flow a little better. Mm -hmm. Just to give you guys an idea, I tried to do some research on what percentage of brides actually do seating charts because even Emily and I are split on the issue. I found a lot of different answers, but anything from most weddings have seating charts to 95% of weddings have seating charts. So I mean, basically over 50% probably do something. Mm -hmm. But again, that's something within the spectrum. Certainly not everyone is planning out every single seat at their wedding. Yeah. And then how you can do it differently, like we said, within the spectrum, is you can have escort cards or place cards. And the difference between these is kind of on the spectrum of whether you're just telling people which table to sit at or which exact seat to sit at. And so the escort cards are just little name cards, or you can make it even more fun and do like a champagne glass mm -hmm. or put it on their favor. Mm -hmm. You can do some really fun alternatives for this, but... The gist is that you put a person's name and the table number that they're supposed to sit at and put it on a display or a table, and then they can grab the card and go to that table, and then once they get to the table, they figure out which seat they get to sit at. The place cards are a little different in that all of the place cards are already at the tables, and so that is the situation in which you pick which exact seat everybody sits at. Mm-hmm. 
And that one can go really well with if you're doing a plated dinner where mm-hmm. people have made menu choices because then that's all laid out and says what they're eating and much easier for the servers. Yep. And then the slight variation is similar to escort cards, but instead of having individual cards for people to take, you can have one large sign that has everyone's name on it and the table number that they're assigned to. So they can just look at the sign and then go to the table rather than having individual cards or Mm -hmm. little favors or anything. Mm -hmm. And thinking back to our signage episode, this can be an opportunity to make something really cute and fun Mm -hmm. if you're into that. Yep. And just on this note, you can organize it by table number. So people look for table one and then look at all the names under the table or organize it by name. So it's easier to find group by last names and then see their tables. Good call. Mm -hmm. This is what I did for my wedding, and I went back and forth. I like, what's the cutest way to do signage, but also easiest way for people to find their names? So, <laughs> lots of options. So, on that note, Emily, maybe we should explain the different things that we did since we kind of have a big mix mm-hmm. going on. I will start. So, as crazy as it sounds, I did not do the most planned option on the spectrum. Surprise. I know. This was one thing that I kind of decided was too much work for what it was worth to me and we just had a lot of people on our guest list that had groups that I wasn't sure how many would be there and we had a dang hard time tracking down our all the RSVPs even though we were calling people daily and crazy about it so I just decided not to do the full-on seating chart we did two head tables we had the bridal party and plus ones and they were just two of the front tables in our seating chart so they weren't even actually different shaped or in a different place they were just the front ones and at those I did actually put place cards and picked out where each person would sit from there we had three reserve tables and this is kind of in line with what Emily said these were hosted by our parents So we had one for my parents, we had one for Parker's dad's side of the family, and one for Parker's mom's side of the family. And we didn't pick their specific seats, they were just reserved for those groups. And then from there, the rest of the tables were open, but we tried to make it a little bit fun and organized and had table right when you walked in of empty place cards and fun pens and cute things where people could write their own name on the place card and then take it to the table that they would be sitting at. So people got to choose and figure it out themselves, but then they could at least claim their spot and keep it organized from there. So I kind of liked it because I didn't have to put too much effort into it, but I still feel that it was semi-organized and worked out just fine. Yeah, I think that did work out. And then people feel like they have their spot and they don't have to worry about finding jackets and things to like claim their spot exactly I'm really big on claiming (laughs) my space yeah and then I did different we had one really big head table our setup in the venue was totally different because Mm -hmm. our dance floor was in the middle of a long room and then half the tables were on one side and half the tables were on the other and then the head table was in the middle like along the end side of the dance floor and then the head table was us in the middle in our bridal party and the plus ones we didn't have at the head table but we had all of our plus ones together mm-hmm. at the table that was closest to the head table and then I did a seating chart with just assigning tables for everyone mm-hmm. and we did one big sign 
that was fun to put together and had it just in a pretty frame on an easel out on the patio that people could look at during cocktail hour to figure out what they'd be sitting. And then they could go figure out their seat when it was ready for dinner. And we didn't have reserved tables for our families, but I did have basically the same thing where I had a table for our parents and I put my parents, Ethan's parents, my grandparents, and then our officiant and wife together at one table. And then we had another table of kind of the more important family members together right next to them. And they were both at the two tables closest to us and closest to the dance floor. So they had the best view of everything. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we tried to group people that we thought would get along and talk nicely together and had a kind of a fun and semi-challenging time just fitting everyone together (laughs) at tables and getting the numbers right. It was kind of a fun puzzle. And we tracked down every RSVP because yep. <laughs> you have to try to do that if you have the seating chart. It's kind of up to you if you want to put an extra table in there. So if you don't track down RSVPs all the way or something where you just kind of have an empty table in case someone shows up, mm-hmm. we didn't do that. We just tracked down everybody. and <laughs> Or any room at any of the tables. Like you could yeah. have 10-person tables and assign nine people to them. Right. Yeah. All of our tables were eight, and I think we had one ended up that just had six because we just, Mm -hmm. that was our numbers. So somehow an extra couple showed up, that would be fine. (laughs) So I just really like that we did it totally differently, but it worked out just fine for both of us. So this is one that is really open to customizing and figuring out what works for you and for your group. Mm -hmm. We do have some general tips and tricks about how to go about making your seating chart. Yep. If you aren't going to have your plus ones at a head table, we recommend making a plus ones table Mm -hmm. because they're kind of all in the same boat and could be nice to have them all together. Yep. A lot of times they know each other or Mm -hmm. don't get to know each other. Yep. I know Parker was happy at your plus ones table. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Next tip is make a kid's table or multiple kid's tables if you have a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. I know one thought is to put their kids with their family, but you could also just take all the kids and put them at a table mm-hmm. and put a coloring book yeah, on say, it. Have a few activities at the table and keep them occupied. Mm-hmm. Also kind of keep in mind if there's any family members or friends that don't really get along and try to keep them at separate tables or at separate ends of the room. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a little bit of that at my wedding and we just <laughs> tried to keep them as far apart as possible and there was no issues, but just keep in mind. And that's kind of one of the arguments for having a seating chart is Mm -hmm. you can do helpful things like that. (laughs) Also, you can put groups of similar people together, like group all of your college friends. Your work friends. Mm -hmm. Next. So you're going to have to have a random table. Mm -hmm. All weddings do. Maybe there's that couple that you met on your trip to Spain, or there's that one high school friend that you still keep in touch with. Yep. It's just going to happen. So you're going to have to throw together a random person table. These can be awkward. One way to try to lessen the awkwardness is to put somebody there who you know is just good at talking to anybody Mm -hmm. and will make conversation and make it less awkward. I know we have my Aunt Bonnie in my family, and she just talks to everybody. (laughs) She's so good at it, and she would do great at the random person table. (laughs) We also do not recommend having a singles table. It's just awkward and it doesn't, it's just, just don't do it. (laughs) So try to mix those single people in with other couples and other friends and don't make it awkward and have a single table. No, we're not playing matchmaker here. 
At least be more sly about it. If you <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's a tip for when you're actually physically sitting down and making the seating charts. Like Emily said, it's a fun little puzzle. And a fun way to do the puzzle is to print out a diagram of your tables mm-hmm. and then to use sticky notes for each of the people and move them physically around the diagram like you would lay out the seating chart. Mm-hmm. That way you're not like writing things down and then crossing them out or erasing them. You just physically move around your piece bowl until your little puzzle Mm -hmm. works. And when I did it, I actually, there are also some seating chart software online. Oh, we're getting tech savvy And so you can like, if you have all your people in a spreadsheet from your RSVP list, you can upload the spreadsheet the website and then it'll make tiny little people diagrams and then you can move them around and you can put the number of tables you have and move around the little people and that's what I did and it was a lot of fun that is too cool I didn't know this guys maybe I would have done a seating chart (laughs) (laughs) so you can do it the old school paper way too it's a lot of fun to do that but (laughs) there's multiple options last random point we want to make is basically with any seating configuration besides no seating chart at all you're going to need table numbers mm-hmm. we love table numbers we do love table numbers so we are gonna have a whole episode dedicated to talking about we didn't table even think numbers. It's possible to talk that long no, about table numbers but don't you worry <laughs> so look out for that but we won't dig into it here just know you'll need them mm-hmm And that brings us to our three key ingredients for making your seating chart a piece of cake. Number one, seating charts are a spectrum. Decide what's worth it for you. Number two, when making your seating chart, start with figuring out your head table. And number three, don't make an awkward singles table. If you enjoyed listening to us and feel like you actually got some good takeaways and tangible tips for your wedding planning, please, please, please go rate us, review us, share us with your friends. You can also find us on Instagram at pieceofcake.planning or you can email us at pieceofcakepodcast at outlook.com. So tune in with us each week and your wedding planning will be a piece piece of cake. cake.